Live at 5 Sports with Todd and Suhan, brought to you by Prairie's Edge Casino Resort. Uh, well, it continues to be a rough start to the season for the Wild Gym, and they're giving up a lot of goals. Five again uh, last night. I'm not sure if the last one was an empty netter or not, but but uh, so far defensively, goaltending-wise, they're struggling. They are, and uh, you know, two things are true. They desperately miss Jared Spurgeon. They also miss Alex Kaligoski a little bit, but they really miss Jared Spurgeon. Combining losing Spurgeon with losing another top six defenseman has been very difficult for them. Uh, it's also true that you know good teams kind of find a way to at least at least survive while one of their better players are out, and they have not done that to date. Uh, incredibly long season. You know they could still end up being a very good team. They could still end up being a in the playoff hunt, and they could still end up being a dangerous playoff team if all things fall right for them. But so far, it's been you know they, they haven't been good defensively. Uh, the goaltending hasn't been consistently good. Uh, and they haven't scored enough goals to overcome that. And uh, Everson breaking up his top line and complaining about energy are two, uh, you know, those are two very interesting moves to see this early in the season. Uh, and I also get the feeling with hockey coaches, once you hit that three, four year mark, um, you better, you know, keep it rolling because that's about when teams say, okay, tired of the voice, let's try somebody new. Yeah, that's right. Uh, I read somewhere, and this has been a few years ago now, but that hockey head coaches, NHL in particular, have the shortest career span with a single team of any of the four men's uh, pro team sports that that we follow the most. So, you know, it's that time for Evanston, as you just referenced. Yep. If you take over a bad football team, usually the goal is to draft well, draft high, draft well, develop, and be ready to turn it around in a few years. Uh, Baseball, take over a bad team, you're usually saying, okay, let's, we're going to have to wait for the farm system to be good enough for this manager to win with them. Um, you know, basketball, I, I'm actually a little, as much as I know there's turnover in the NHL, I'm a little surprised it's, it's uh, less in, in the NHL than in the NBA, just because the NBA is such a player's league, and if a right. player like coach, the coach is going to go. Right. Uh, but the NHL, there really is kind of a three-year half-life, you know, shelf-life for, uh, for coaches. You'd be God, they they have skate, game, practice, flight, skate, game, practice, flight. It's like it's a relentless schedule. They spend an incredible amount of time together. They watch film together. They have meetings constantly. It's a small locker room. Um, as soon as you start getting sick of your coach, your team's probably not going to do real well. Yeah, and and uh, so you know the, to break up the lines uh, entirely as it seemed he did last night after the first period, and talk about energy after the game and that they didn't have any, and he's just shaking up the lines to try and create that. That's that's obviously not a good sign, as you referenced, especially with the veteran team that they have. It's not a good sign. The other reality of hockey is it's the only sport where no matter what is going wrong, everybody talks about energy. Mm. It's just the nature of the sport. It's the nature of the coaching and the, and the development in that sport. Everybody talks about energy all the time. Mm. And guess what? I'd rather have a, a, a guy playing half speed who can put one in the top corner than have a guy who plays his tail off all game and can't, doesn't have the skill. So the easy thing to do is blame effort. Uh, you also got to play with skill. You also have to play with intelligence. And they've had, you know, they've been missing on those, those fronts too. How's the goaltending so far this year? I think Gustafson has been pretty good, and I think Flory's been all over the place. Mm. Uh, I just don't think they know. Flory's had good games, but I just don't think right now they know what they're getting when he goes out there. Whereas Gustafson, I think he's a good goalie, but needs a certain amount of support. You know, Flory just feels like, you know, 
you know, what days are the synapses working and what, what days aren't they? Yeah. Uh, let's talk twins a little. Your most recent column uh, posted last night to the website and came out in this morning's edition of the Star Tribune. Uh, some postmortem on the twins' season, a successful year, and looking forward to the future and making some moves in that regard today by picking up options. Yeah, they picked up the options of uh, Kepler and Polanco. My column wasn't about that. They're, they're right. pretty standard, under, uh, pretty much. You know, once Kepler started playing well in the second half, I was told that he was going to be back. Polanco is exactly what they need, which is a veteran veteran quality hitter who can take good bats under pressure in the postseason. Uh, they're hoping he's kind of getting his, all those leg problems behind him. They also really they like Kepler. Kepler's a little weird. He's a weird dude. Uh, they like him, but he's odd. Everybody loves Polanco. Everybody in there loves Polanco. And Polanco's the guy who will play anywhere, who will play hurt, who doesn't come in asking for days off. Uh, they love the guy. Mm-hmm. So two pretty logical moves. And what I talked about to Falvey about, I, I pointed out, so I didn't cover the games of this postseason. I wrote some columns on off dates and stuff like that, but they pretty much had me dedicated to covering Vikings games, going on Vikings trips, and they had Lavelle as kind of the, our baseball columnist covering the games. Yeah. So I wasn't at the elimination game. Uh, and the next morning, Rocco texts me, and, and basically I, it's in my column, basically said, my God, this was incredible! I, you know, I, I had no idea Target Field could be like this. this is a weapon. We got we got we have an obligation to keep coming back and playing it like this. And so I started. I thought about. It, I looked it up. This year's the first time this regime, Falvey for seven years or Baldelli for the last five years, it's the first time they started a home series. Or they started a playoff series at home um, with a good, you know, with a, a promising team. The only other time they started at home and, and under circumstances where fans could be fully invested. Yeah. The only other time during their regime when they started the postseason at home was COVID. So it was empty ballpark against the Astros, and it was really weird and dead. Is this the first time they got to see that Minnesota actually, for as odd a baseball market as this is, as passive-aggressive a baseball market as this is, as empty as target field can be, even with a team in first place on certain summer nights, when – the fan base decides they're in on a team, this place can be incredible, just like we saw with the Metronome in 87 and 91 and the Metronome in 2002. Um, so this is their first case of that, and they were kind of blown away by it. Yeah, that's a good thing. We want to get back to that and win. And then you also reference in your column that Texas won 90 games, Arizona won 84 games. Just get into the postseason tournament, the players like to call it, and, and you have a shot in baseball. Yes. I mean, the Rangers were a 91 team that went through about a month-long slump where they couldn't hit, which is bizarre. Um, you know, the Astros, I don't think, were that much better than the Twins if they were better. The Diamondbacks were not as good a team as the Twins during the regular season. Mm-hmm. And the Twins' second half were one of the better teams in baseball, period. Mm-hmm. Um, I really feel like as good as he was for them all year, if Sonny Gray pitches better in Game 3 against the Astros, who knows? Yeah, the Twins right. might have had a fighting chance. The Twins played well against the Rangers all year. They played well against the Astros all year. They played well against the Yankees all year. They played well against the Diamondbacks. Yeah. Uh, who knows what would happen if Sonny had pitched you know, like a gem in Game 3 of this playoff series. Uh, they did a great job last offseason of putting together a bench, bringing in guys like Michael A. Taylor and Solano and, and uh, Farmer, guys like that. Uh, do they have to redo the bench again since some of those guys are signed to one-year deals, or are they going to bring some back? I think they... Definitely want Castro back. Mm. I think they definitely want Michael Taylor back. Um, I think they really love Solano. 
So the question there is, you know, do you leave some wiggle room on the roster for if Brooks Lee gets hot or or Austin Martin gets hot, or do you just go with the guy who performed and make the young guys force their way up or wait for an injury? Mm-hmm. But they loved him uh, as a guy, as a pinch hitter, as a role player. He actually played pretty well at first base in general. Um, I think they'd love to bring all these people back, frankly. Mm-hmm. Run it back. Uh, did a great job last year in the offseason, so it'll be uh, fun to watch this year as well. So, the Vikings, first game post-Kirk Cousins for this season. Jaron Hall at quarterback. I would think best-case scenario is he plays well enough, plays the whole game, and they give him another shot uh, next week. Uh, I mean, they brought Dobbs in not necessarily to jump right in as the starter, right, but to give them options. I think they'd never say this out loud. I think their expectation, their hope is Jaron Hall goes out, plays better than expected, and they have, they feel like they have multiple good options mm-hmm. when it comes next Monday. And obviously, if he plays to a certain level, he just keeps the job. Yeah. Um, I think their realistic expectation is, okay, try to get through this game with Jaron, hope he manages the game well enough that you can win it and move, and then get to Dobbs following week. Um, and if Hall looks like he's overwhelmed this week. Maybe you throw Dobbs in with just a limited playbook and see what happens. I I don't think there are tremendous expectations for Hall. Mm -hmm. I think they're just trying to survive this week right now. As you're looking at your crystal ball from 40-plus years of experience to doing this type of thing, does Hall have a chance to succeed? I don't think so. Mm. I just, you know, I mean, he he had a couple nice throws in Green Bay, but he also helped, you know, in a situation where you're back near your own goal line, you have a big lead, and all you have to do is not screw up. First thing he did was hold the ball and get strip sacked. Um, now he's going to go play on the road against a pretty good defense. Um, I, I just, I just haven't seen anything. And it, listen, I hope I'm wrong. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I would love to be wrong, and he would be a really cool story. And he seems like a good dude. Uh, be fun to write about a backup quarterback rallying the twin, uh, the Vikings. I just don't. I, I got to see something before I, I get in line with that. Uh, Jim, thanks so much. Thanks, Todd. Live at 5 Sports with Todd and Sue Ann. Brought to you by Prairie's Edge Casino Resort.